Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the Word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. It is our birthday, man. We're celebrating nine years today. I can't even believe it. It's wild. It's wild for me to even think we've been doing this thing for nine years now. And all of the souls won, all of the people baptized, all the people um, just discipled and connected to Jesus as a result, missionaries even sent out, other churches being planted. So much has happened over nine years. Can we give God glory and praise for what he's done? It's awesome. Um, and so we're going to celebrate today after church. And uh, I just want to welcome those, obviously, who are here and those who are watching online. And we're so glad that you guys came here today. So last week, we started a series called Never Scared. And if you just look at that title, you're thinking that we're going to be talking about not being afraid. God's not given us a spirit of fear. And that is often preached, especially around this time of year leading up to Halloween. It's a good topic to even discuss um, and how important it is not to be controlled by fear. But the society that we're living in right now tells me to preach a different message than that. The, the society that we're in right now has lost the fear of God. We're living in what is now becoming a secular society. We're talking about that in our small groups. And so much of that is just completely trying to kick out God. There is no fear of God. People are never scared. If you look on the news, you see the stories, you see what people are doing. They've lost this idea that they're going to stand before their maker one day and they're going to be judged according to their works, the scripture says. Even the church, though we are not going to be separated from God, if we have called on Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are going to be judged for what we do on this earth at the judgment seat of Christ. And what I have seen is people have lost reverence. They've lost the fear of God. And I'm calling us to come back to that, not to be never scared, but to have a holy reverence for God again. Is anybody with me? Come on. We're calling the church to awaken. And so this is what we're talking about. And today, and honor of our birthday, we're going to look at um, a message called Take Me to Church. Take Me to Church. Now, this message is entitled after a popular song that was released the same season that Diversity Church started. In October 2013 is when the church started, and at this same time, uh, in September of 2013, uh, Hozier had released this song called Take Me to Church. And if you love church and you love God, you were thinking, man, that's an awesome song. Uh, let's go. Let's go to church. Except for this is a song that is clearly irreverent, uh, completely void of the fear of God and honoring God and even honoring terms like worship and sin and church and God. It, it just uses all of these things backwards. And it really is the epitome of what our society is like. And I want to just read a few of these lyrics just to prove to you how much our world needs the fear of God again. Here's the lyrics of this song, just some of them. It says, my lover's got humor. She's the giggle at a funeral. How many of you guys know it's wrong to laugh at a funeral? Come on. Well, I mean, depends. If you're talking about the person and you're remembering them, but like if you're laughing at their death or laughing at an inappropriate time, that's your reverence, right? Knows everybody's disapproval. And this is what he says about the girl. I should have worshiped her sooner. Goes on. It says, my church offers no absolutes. Sounds like many of the churches that I know of today. Sounds like the culture that we're living in. There are no absolute truths. There's nothing that is foundational. 
She tells me worship in the bedroom. A lot of places, that's a, a lot of people's worship is just sex or fun um, and, and things like that. So she tells me to worship in the bedroom. The only heaven I'll be sent to is when I'm alone with you. Now that's the only truth out of the whole song. The only heaven this person, if they continue in their sin, they're going to be sent to is what he views as heaven when he's alone with his lover. I was born sick, he says, but I love it. Now, this is a mild version of our society. This is the the epitome, but it's even a mild version of what our society is like. They use things that are supposed to be holy and they call it common. They've lost sanctity. They don't even understand what is supposed to be holy. They don't know what is good. Matter of fact, they call good evil. And we're going to talk about that even further in this message. We live in a lost world. And they really need to be taken to church. They need to know the truth. And they need to have that truth set them free. They need to know that one day they are going to be judged. And if they don't turn to Jesus Christ... And call on him as their Lord and Savior. They're going to be separated from a holy God in heaven for all of eternity. And so the scripture actually calls these type of people the wicked. All right? Calls them sinners. Calls many different names. And by the way, just to let everybody know, we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. So a lot of what I'm going to be talking about will be applied to us, especially before Jesus, but still some of the darkness in us even after Jesus. So let's look at what the book of Psalms says about people that are Loss that need to be taken to church. Psalm 36, let's read verses one through four. This is how David describes the wicked. It says, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. They're never scared. So clearly, this is what it's talking about. They've lost a fear of God. They don't have even a recollection of standing before God. They just think about their sin. And their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. They lie awake at night, hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. All right, this is talking about lost people and why they need to actually be taken to church. Why do we need to give the gospel to the world? Not just to bring them in, but to go to where they are and share the good news about Jesus Christ. Share repentance and faith towards Jesus Christ. All right, so let's look at the wicked. Let's see if we can see any of these characteristics even inside of us. And let's ask Jesus to continue to rid us of sin and evil and give us a fear for him and his holy name. Here are three truths about the wicked today that I want to explore. Number one. They have wicked hearts. They have wicked hearts. Did you see that in Psalm 36, 1? It says sin whispers to the wicked. I actually love how that says it. It describes so much of our thought life that God even sees, that the scripture says we will be judged for. Jesus says if you look upon a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. He will judge every word, every thought, and every deed. If that doesn't put a little fear of God in you, It's a sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. They have wicked hearts. P. 
People that are separated from God, they've never been regenerated. They've never been born again. They are not a new creation in Christ. They're just stuck dead in their trespasses and sin. The scripture calls them wicked. And they're not just wicked in actions. They are wicked at the root of their person, their heart. We, we buy this lie that Disney tells us that people are good with good hearts. Can I tell you, that is not the truth. People, unregenerate, un, they're not born again. If, if they do not know Jesus in their heart of hearts, they are wicked. They are sinners. They are lost. They do not have a good heart. Their heart is full of sin and wickedness. And they are laying up treasure, not just in heaven, but actually in hell, the scripture says. They're actually laying up works that will be judged forever, separated from God in a place called hell. I want us to understand this. This is crucial for our understanding of people in general. And I'm saying not just to look at the wicked out there. I'm talking about looking at the wicked right here. If we don't understand this, we come back to this thing of religion where we think our good works are good enough. If I just could get good enough, then that's going to justify me with God. No, we were so bad at the core of our humanity. We were separated from God with a wicked heart that thinks what he says, David says, that all we do is think of these whispers inside of us of sin and of temptation. We just think of evil. And let me just say this, unless you're born again, this is the wicked heart that you have. But even after you're born again, you still have that sinful nature on the inside of you. It's still in your brain. This is why the Bible says our our mind has to be renewed. As Nina was just sharing in worship, I was even thinking about my own wicked heart just this week. My wife is at home right now, and I think she's going to be at our uh, birthday party, but she's recovering from surgery, and um, she had surgery on a broken leg, and I won't get into all of that, but she was um, on Wednesday, or Thursday night, uh, the two nights after she had surgery, the first night she had this blocker in her leg, and it was blocking her nerves from any pain. But she came off of this blocker and she was in the most pain, she said, she's ever been in in her life. And it lasted for about 24 hours. As I was there and I'm up with her all night just trying to take care of her, my heart was so mad at God. And when Nina was actually sharing up front during worship, it just reminded me of my own sinfulness. And I was mad at God and I was like, God, like, can't you just take this away? You've seen all that we've gone through. You've seen what she's already gone through. Why does she have to have this type of pain? And I'm telling you, she's weeping. She's crying. I can't get, we can't get it under control with uh, uh, opioids. Like she's taking hydrocodone and it's still not going away. And I'm like, God, come on. Like you've already seen what she's gone through. And it was as if I was blaming God and judging God for that situation. That just shows you how wicked our hearts really are. God's not the problem. The reason why the world is the way the world is, is because of us and our own sinfulness. All the suffering any of us will ever go through is never God's fault. It's our fault, right? He's been good. He's taken care of us, obviously, all these things. But even in the depth of my soul, even as a born-again Christian, even as a pastor, even after following Jesus for 18 years, I still have sin whispering into my heart, telling me things that are not true, causing me to... Blame God for something that's not his fault. This is all of us. Now, I'm not saying that all of us will be the worst of the worst humans that ever exist. But can I tell you, we have the potential to be. 
I'm not saying our depravity and our wickedness that's in all of humanity will lead all of humanity to be a Jeffrey Dahmer. But can I tell you, all of us could become him. This is what's in our hearts. We were separated from God because of Adam and Eve's sin. We were all born into that sin. We are depraved as a result of that sin. Jeremiah says it like this in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And what does it say? And desperately wicked. Who can know it? At the core of who we are is this wicked heart that needs to be born again. It needs the love of God to come and renew it and regenerate it and wash all of that sinfulness away from the core of our being. See, so oftentimes our world is trying to wash the outside, hoping that it would change the inside. Jesus says the only way that any of us are going to be transformed is when we get this thing transformed. Out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. Out of the abundance of our heart, we act. All of the nasty, evil, sinfulness that we see in the world comes from that sin whispering in our heart and the depth of our being telling us what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And if you entertain that stuff, that's how it becomes on the outside. This is who we are, wicked on the inside. Kind of like the Joker a few years ago who saw our $300 ashtray outside of our uh, main doors off the parking lot told you last week about smoking and I won't get into all of that, but obviously we know we have smokers instead of having cigarette butts on, you know, just our property everywhere. We bought a nice ashtray. We put it outside the church. It was beautiful. $300 to so people when they're at their food pantry, or maybe if you're still smoking, you haven't got delivered from that yet here at diversity. You could go and just drop your, 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 um, your ashes and, and your cigarette butts inside the cigarette butt holder. Well, this guy sees it. And because sin whispers in the heart of the wicked, he was driving by and he looked at the cigarette butt holder and he says, I got to have it. Lust entered into his heart. And the Bible says when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is conceived, it brings forth death. That is both metaphorical and literal for the person who stole the cigarette butt holder. He came at three o'clock in the morning when evil happens in our world. And he jacked our cigarette butt holder from our parking lot. How many guys know that person got to be going to hell, man? You know what I'm saying? Not only did you steal a cigarette butt holder, you stole it from the church. Let me be honest with you. In the most wicked part of my life, when I wasn't following Jesus, I still had a little bit of a reverence for the church. Like there was something in me that I was like, I, I can do a lot of things out here. But one thing I can't do is steal from the church, let alone a cigarette butt holder. Come on, somebody. Right. But this just shows you what is at the heart of man. It doesn't have any fear of God at all. It just listens to the whisper of sin that is inside of us at the core of our being. Can you imagine a world that lacks the fear of God completely? I just want you to think about this. Can you imagine a society that has zero fear of God? What we know, at least here in America, is what is a society that is becoming more and more secular. That means more and more godless. But there's still about 48 or so percent of people that still believe in a God who one day they're going to stand before. 
Can you imagine a society where that number is zero? It might be like the purge. Come on, it's Halloween time, people. (laughs) Like their scary movies. Can you imagine what it would be like where everybody is their own God to do whatever they want to do? And again, it's the survival of the fittest. If I'm not going to stand before somebody one day and be judged for all of eternity, let me go and just get mine. Let me go out and just do whatever I want to do and get mine. That would be the society. Or maybe it would be a society that is just self-righteous. That even... This sinful thing that's inside of us, if it doesn't lead us to the most wicked deeds, like imaginable, it leads us to this pride and self-righteousness where all we're concerned about is our reputation and the fear of man. This is why the Bible says even all of our right doing, our righteousness, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Because even that society that lacks the fear of God, and even if they seem to be righteous and good... It's just built up on their own reputation, their own pride, their own uh, self-righteousness. And that's all you're going to get. You're going to either get the purge or you're going to get this pompous society that is just doing righteous things because they want to be seen on Facebook. Oh, we've seen that a lot lately. Oh, we've been hearing about all the things right and wrong in our society. And so we got all of the people that are out there taking pictures just so they could put it on Facebook. That's the only two societies we get that don't have the fear of God. We get the purge or we get this self-righteous society that they're just trying to do right for their own reputation, out of their own pride, out of their own arrogance. I remember when I was dead and my trespasses and sin. I remember when the wickedness that was inside of me just whispered to me. And I did a lot of wicked deeds before I actually was born again and I came to Jesus But I also remember some of the right things that I did and the motives that I had for those right things that I did. This one time I was in church because my mom made me come to church, even though I was wrong. She took me to church. Come on. The best place that we could take somebody who is lost and wicked is bring them to church. Come on, Jesus. Right. So she kept me in church, even though my heart had not been regenerated. And I still have wickedness inside of me. And one day I was in trouble for doing something stupid that I shouldn't have been doing. I had wickedness inside of my heart. And so I remember I'm at church and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go to the altar today. Not because I want to get right with God, but I want my mom to think I'm getting right with God. (laughs) So again, this isn't the motive to actually repent of my sins, to come to Jesus and ask him to forgive me of my sin. I just wanted my mom to think I was doing that so I wouldn't get as much trouble in as I would have if I didn't do that thing later on when I had to face my mom on judgment day. So I came to the front, not because, again, I wanted to get right with God. I just wanted my mom to think I was. Again, this is the sin that is at the core of all of our being. And this is why we have to repent and come to Jesus and ask him for a new heart to regenerate us, to give us his Holy Spirit, to wash us, to renew us, because all of us are wicked at the core of our being. So the first truth about the wicked is they have wicked hearts. Here's the second truth about the wicked. They are deceived about their sin. They're deceived about their sin. Psalm 36.2 says, in blind conceit, in blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. This is the problem with sin. 
At the core of it, it's in darkness. At the core of it, it's a lie that we buy into. Whatever that sin is that's whispering in our heart, it's, it's founded in some type of lie that we're going to find satisfaction or we're going to find fulfillment in something outside of God, the fear of God and following his ways. And so if you think about this, every bit of sin, when you commit it, when you live in it, it is based in some type of lie that you're being deceived to when you buy into it. Think about Adam and Eve in the beginning, and we won't get into all of that, but just think about that. That is what it is. So in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Let me give you just two ways as we're thinking about the wicked being deceived in their sin or about their sin. Let me just tell you two ways the wicked are deceived concerning their sin. A, they don't think that their sin is bad or that bad. This is what every sinner will think of, at least at some point in their walk and living in sin. They'll deceive themselves, they'll deceive others by saying they don't think their sin is bad or it's not that bad. Now listen, man, we live in a backwards world. Again, we're becoming more secular, more godless. And this is what the world does with right and wrong. This is what Isaiah 5.20 prophesies about really even the time we're living in and many times in history that we've lived in. This is what the scripture says in Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We live in a backwards world, don't we? Where people are no longer calling what is holy, holy. They're calling evil things holy. They're not calling what is good, good. They're calling evil things good. They're not calling what is sweet, sweet. They're calling bitter things sweet. They're not calling light, light. They're calling darkness, light. The world that we live in, they call murder, entertainment. They call homosexuality, love. They call divorce happiness. They call elective abortion health care. They call corporate greed just doing business. They're deceived about their sin. The world doesn't just justify their sin. They actually call their sin righteous. They don't just say, I'm okay doing this thing. They say, no, you got to do this thing if you're going to be okay. Matter of fact, if you disagree with me, you're what's wrong. Again, we have lost the fear of God. We are never scared anymore as a society to know God, to know his ways, to follow his ways, to call what is holy, holy, to depart from wickedness, to, to depart from evil. We're not concerned about what God thinks about our sin. We're just thinking alone about what our heart says sin is. And so we justify our sin and we even call our sin right when it's clearly wrong. And then if we actually get to the place where we might even say, well, that was sin. It was bad. What do we say about it? Well, it wasn't that bad. Who do we compare ourselves to as sinners? We look at the Jeffrey Dahmers, and the reason why this is so popular right now on Netflix is because we look at him and we think, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. And why do we like to watch it? Because we love to actually think of ourselves as good when our heart tells us and God tells us that our heart is evil. And so when we compare ourselves to the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world, I'm not that bad. And so then we think God's going to judge us according to 
our good works. And if our good works outweigh our bad works, then finally, you know what? God's going to look at me. And then the Jeffrey Dahmers, the Hitlers of the world, they're going to be cast into outer darkness. But for me, I'm, I'm not that bad. No, your sin, no matter what that sin is, again, word, thought, deed, God sees it all and it is evil. It separates you from God. And it was so bad that Jesus Christ had to shed his blood on the cross, go into hell, and three days later had to rise from the dead because that sin was an affront to God that much. That's how evil your sin is, no matter how, how you, you tend to justify it or how you think it is in your own heart. It is an affront to God. And it needs to be repented of. And it needs the blood of Jesus to wash it away. So they don't think their sin is bad or that bad. But here's the second way that the, that the wicked is deceived about their sin is that they think God is a pushover. This has even become the message of the church. The reason why I'm preaching this is I, I just sense the call of God to come back to this truth. The call to even return the church back to this truth. One of the greatest sermons of all time was preached by a man named Jonathan Edwards. And today, if it was preached, he'd be called a bigot. He would be called every name in the book. He preached a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And revival broke out. This is a part of the, I think it's the second great awakening or the first great awakening in America to bring us to the fear of God, to bring us to our knees, to recognize in God we trust, not in anything else. All right, Jonathan Edwards, and he preached a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. If this was preached today, we'd say sinners in the hands of some fluffy bearded man on a cloud who only has heart bolts coming from him. has blinders on his eyes, who doesn't see you and doesn't see your sin for what it is. No, that sin was so evil and that sin cost him so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for that sin. We take pleasure in the things that Jesus died for. We glory in the things that Jesus shed his blood for. We play with things and we're, we're okay with playing with things that cost God his son. And we think it's okay. Listen to me. God is not a pushover. God is not a punk. God will judge every one of us according to his standard of righteousness. And if we don't repent and fault the mercy that he gave us through his son, Jesus Christ, we will be banished from him. We will be lost and separated from him. And we need to understand that to bring a little bit of gravity in our life. Psalm 36, one says they have no fear of God at all. Why? Many of them just don't even believe in God. So why would they fear somebody that they don't believe in? But that's convenient, right? I don't have to believe in them. That means I don't have to worry about my conscience and what that guilt in. Yeah, they're just stopping their ears kind of like the Jews did when Stephen was preaching that same message of repentance uh, of their sin and faith towards Jesus Christ. They stopped their ears and they stoned them. I wonder why we like to flock to churches that are only preaching just fluffy stuff. Oh, it makes us feel better about ourselves. I don't have to hear I'm wicked. I don't have to hear that I'm detestable. I don't have to hear that I'm going to face God on judgment day. We love to stop our ears to stuff that is most important. 
Because we don't want to face the, the music. We don't want to repent at the end of the day. And so they have no fear of God because they don't even believe in God. But those who do, they just believe he's a pushover. Do whatever I want, I'm cool. Yet the same fear of God in the Old Testament, we try to crucify the God of the Old Testament. It's the same fear of God in the New Testament. Be not deceived, the scripture says. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That's Galatians chapter 6 for anybody who believes that God's just a pushover in, in the New Testament. And he was some ogre in the Old You, this is the truth. Again, we're deceived. We, we, we think God's a pushover. And so again, we don't, we're not serious about our sin. Kind of like this guy in June or the end of June or sometime around the early summer, we had a, an outreach for our community in our parking lot. We had a garage sale and um, it wasn't a garage sale. It was just a giveaway. We called it a garage sale, which is kind of funny. And many people from the community came. And so there was a guy who came to that, came into the worship center. He kind of came up the stairs, got out of the, that whole area, came up the stairs, and he stole some microphones from the stage. All right, so we didn't know about this. We thought maybe uh, some of the other musicians might have used them for this, that, or the other. And so the first time, we didn't even know about it. We didn't think of, that somebody stole microphones. We just thought they were just misplaced or somebody took them or put them somewhere. Well, the next week, we had our share food pantry, and uh, the same guy comes back and he leaves the food pantry, comes upstairs and he steals our in-ear monitors over a thousand dollars worth of equipment. This guy steals, goes and pawns it. This time after the worship team saw it, they came to me and they're like, uh, somebody I think stole this stuff. We need to look at it. So we looked at the footage because we have this stuff, um, the, whole, the whole church, by the way, just so everybody knows, the whole church has video cameras. It is good, right? Because again, our wicked hearts want to do things thinking nobody's looking. God's always looking, even if we don't have video cameras, just letting y'all know. So we look in the video cameras. We see that there was this guy who came up, stole this equipment. I let the share team know, let the lead team know. And we made a plan that if he comes back again to the next share, that we would call the police and that we, we will uh, press charge. So he comes back a third time, y'all. A third time. Again, no fear of God. If, listen, back in the day, in the church, I'll do my sinful stuff out there, but the church, they have no fear of God at all. He comes back a third time, acting like he had never been here. The whole share team knew of it. They called the cops, and we told the man that he could never come back to Diversity Church. Now listen, we want people like him to be saved. Matter of fact, if it was the first time and we talked to him about it and, and he was like, you know what? I'm sorry. I did this thing. I'm hungry. I need to feed my family, whatever. We would have had a whole nother conversation if he was repentant. But this man was so brazen. He, came, he comes three times to steal from the church when we're just trying to help him by giving him free things and giving him food for his belly. He's up here stealing from the church. So we had to call the cops. Now, listen, if you think that that was wrong, look at Romans 2, 5. Romans 2, 5 says, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. New Testament. This is a wake up call. 
If you're stuck and you're dead in your trespasses and sins, it's not the time for you to stay in it, to act like it ain't serious, to act like God's a pushover, for you to continue to justify it. It's time for you to repent and come to where the salvation is. It's in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Here's the third truth then about the wicked. They don't want to turn from evil. They don't want to turn from evil. Psalm 36, 4 says they lie awake at night, hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. And remember what I said, even if it seems good, it's from an impure place in their heart that is just as filthy rags in the sight of God because their righteousness, their, their attempts at doing good is still so ugly and sinful. They're only doing it out of pride or for their reputation. They make no attempt, it says, to turn from evil. Let me just say this. Sinful people, the wicked, they love their irreverence. They love and they enjoy their sin. And we recognize this, that sin is pleasurable for a season. But the end of that way is destruction. So why would they want to turn from something that is giving them pleasure in the moment? They love it. They have fun with it. They wouldn't want to leave it. I want to share with you a picture that I saw on my Twitter feed that just shows, again, the wickedness that is inside of people. I want to just show this picture on my Twitter feed that I saw on 9-11 and the day after 9-11. And I'm scrolling through and I'm looking at this and some person says something about 9-11 and they're asking a question about like what happened. And I don't know if they were just saying that out of just like um, ignorance or if they're just saying it as a joke, like what really happened that day. But this person responds with this picture. What happened on 9-11? Well, it was the gender reveal party for the Statue of Liberty. It was a girl. So you have pink smoke coming out of the Twin Towers. It's irreverence. They don't care how that treats somebody who might have been affected terribly by 9-11. They're just out there just making a joke. They're making fun of something that is serious, which, again, is what we do in our sinful hearts. You can go back up to that. So the next person says, have some sympathy. I lost a relative that day. Be ashamed of yourself for making a joke about this tragedy. We don't care in our wickedness how our sin affects others. We say, don't judge me. We excuse it. We say, listen, I, this is my own life. I'm just doing me. You do you. And we don't care how our sinfulness, we don't care how our evil affects others. We, we're having fun. We're just doing us, and we're just having fun doing us. We don't care how that sin affects others. It says they lie awake. Wicked people do. They lie awake at night hatching sinful plots. If this doesn't describe half of the online activity, they lie awake at night hatching sinful plots. People love their sin. They don't want to repent. They don't want to turn from it. What's going to cause them then to? What is going to cause a wicked person to rethink their ways? If this, in their wickedness, they, they want to stay in that. that All they do is evil. They're, they're, they're hearing sin whisper into their hearts, all of these evil things. What's going to wake them up out of that status? What's going to cause them to rethink their ways? Can I tell you? A healthy preaching on the fear of God. A healthy preaching, a healthy teaching. Listen to me. One day you're going to die and you're going to face your maker. There's two places. It's heaven or hell. 
Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve life? Are you going to come to Jesus and find life? Or are you going to find death? I love how Paul the Apostle says this. And he just says how important it is, again, to preach what I'm preaching. In 2 Corinthians 5.11, he says this. It says, therefore, and before I move on, whenever you see a therefore in the scripture, you need to know why it's therefore. All right, meaning there's context around this. So if you see therefore in the scripture, make sure you read the context because the therefore is there for a reason. And so the context of this is, um, he says that all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All right, we're all going to be judged based on our deeds. That was the verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 5.11. So the context that he's saying is we're going to stand before God on judgment day. Both Christians to Jesus, but then even the lost, they're going to stand before him and be judged as well. So therefore, knowing what? Y'all there with me today? Therefore, knowing what? The fear of the Lord. We persuade others. Why, why are we persuading others? Because we're telling them they're going to stand before God on judgment day. What's going to persuade somebody to turn from their sin? Well, they need to recognize that that temporary thing that they're finding satisfaction in has eternal results. And if they don't repent of that and put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're going to be judged by a holy God on judgment day. So Paul says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people. We persuade them. How do we persuade them? Knowing that the fear of God is that thing that's going to convince them to turn from their sins and come to him. I remember when I finally was confronted with a message. I was even in my life confronted with my own sin because of where it was taking me. I got in trouble at the end of high school and my stepdad gave me a message called Hell's Best Kept Secret. And I listened to it. See, we're so afraid to preach on hell and preach on righteousness and preach on judgment because we're thinking, oh, people aren't going to listen or they're going to hate us. And there will be some that do. But there will be somebody like this young preacher who at 18 heard a message that persuaded me. A message that showed me that I was lost and dead in my sin. That yes, even though I wasn't a Jeffrey Dahmer, I had that same type of heart. That I was a liar. I was a thief. I was an adulterer in my heart, that I was a blasphemer using God's name in vain. I I had all of this sinfulness inside of my heart, and one day I was going to face God on judgment day. And this message just convinced me to turn from my sin and put my faith in Jesus who died for that sin. It was one thing that just started to move me towards Jesus. I started reading the Bible. I read things like, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? I read things like, if your eye offends you, cut it out. It's better to go through life with one eye than to go to hell with both eyes. And I was reading Jesus's words, y'all. We don't even quote his words like that anymore. But it was those words, the fear of the Lord that came from those words that persuaded me to run to the mercy seat. To repent and say, Jesus, come into my life. I give you my heart. Change me. Renew me. And guess what? He did that 18 years ago. And this preacher's been preaching the same good news for 18 years. 
This is the reason why Diversity Church exists. What an intense message to preach on our birthday. But this is why the church was started. This is why 18 years ago my life was transformed. This is why I'm preaching the gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm like John the Baptist. I'm like Paul the Apostle. I'm preaching repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ. We've been doing this for nine years and we've seen People that were wicked with wicked hearts become born again and regenerated and renewed. We've seen hundreds of salvations. We've seen hundreds of baptisms over nine years. We've seen families transformed. We've seen marriages transformed. Why? Because when a wicked's heart is transformed, Jesus begins to rule and reign and everything changes. Do I have a witness that can give God glory? This is why we need to take the wicked to church. This is why we need to take the church to the wicked. I want to end the message with this. On November 20th, we have a Sunday that we're creating called Take Me to Church Sunday. All right, this is going to be the beginning of our Christmas series, our holiday series. It's going to be called Happy Holidays. It's going to start on November 20th. We're going to look at the Beatitudes. And the first one is Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit. And we're going to preach a salvation message to the lost that day. And so if you have lost friends, if you have lost coworkers, if you have lost neighbors, you see somebody obviously dead in their trespasses and sins, let's take them to church. Let's do what the church has called us to do. If they don't come to church, you take the church to them. And we share the message of Jesus Christ to a lost world because that's their only hope. Would you just take a moment and Consider what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. If you would bow your heads. And-